0: It's the e-commerce master plan podcast, here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, and welcome to our latest podcast. I'm Chloe, the host, and it's great to have you guys out there listening. As it always is, still can't believe quite how many of you tune in every week. It's brilliant. Um, now today, I've got some more interesting stuff to share with you. Interesting stuff. This is a new section in the show where I bring you anything particularly interesting I found out about recently in the e-commerce world. It might be an event, a white paper, a new supplier, or just something really cool I think you should know about. You can find all the interesting stuff organized by episode at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash stuff. There may not be interesting stuff in every episode. I'm going to kind of see how it goes and I'd love your feedback on that. Just get in contact if you've got strong feelings about interesting stuff either way. Um, And likewise, if you've got something you think I should talk about in interesting stuff. So this week, I've got one piece of interesting stuff for you and it's a goodie. It's a brand new podcast that I'm hosting. It's called the e-commerce growth show. It's currently live, so you can hear our first episode. And it's something that I've been working on with Phil Kay and the team at Segmentify. And what we've been doing is we've been chatting to a number of very clever people in the e-commerce space to find out some ways that you can go about making a big shift in your growth this year. Through the series, we kind of explore the customer journey from end to end. We start off with websites, then we go through on-site optimization, customer communications, payments, and mobile. And then we finish up with back-end systems, reviews, and shipping. Yes, we are covering it all. Kind of amazing we fitted it all into just six episodes, Uh, personally speaking. I still can't quite imagine, quite believe, in fact, how much we managed to cover now, the first episode of the first season is live right now. The other five will be going live weekly on Tuesdays. Uh, if you want to have a listen, and I really do recommend you do, just search for e-commerce Growth Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice, and then subscribe to it and you will get all those episodes. Find out more at eCommerceMasterPlan.com forward slash stuff. Now, in today's episode, I'm talking to someone who's quite early in their e-commerce growth journey, but from a business that's been around for a long time, who sell a kind of an artisanal luxury high-end product, a lovely product. And we talk about growth, we talk about content, we talk about balancing the different sales channels and growing a new team. We talk about a lot of different things. And I think for, especially for those of you out there who are early in your journey, who are trying to balance wholesale and retail, who are still trying to get the story right around your business, then I think this is going to be one for you. Before we get into all of that though, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Clavio, the most recommended growth marketing platform on the market. Clavio helps more than 28,000 e-commerce brands globally to grow their businesses through high value customer relationships. From a shopper's first impression to each subsequent purchase, Clavio understands every interaction, empowering brands to create more personalised marketing moments. When you have a 360-degree view of the customer, the growth possibilities are endless. And the results speak for themselves. Clavio customers have made more than £2.8 billion in revenue through Clavio in the last year alone. Visit klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's klaviy ocom slash masterplan. Is Magento One's impending end of life making you miserable? Does the thought of an e-commerce migration fill you with fear? Leading e-commerce agency Swanky are here to help. Their team of migration experts know everything about replatforming to the boundary-busting e-commerce platform Shopify Plus. Whatever you sell, wherever you are in the world, Swanky are ready to make your journey from Magento to Shopify as smooth and stress-free as possible. Check out Swanky's free must-have migration bundle, complete with downloadable e-book, on-demand webinar and real-life success stories, just head to swankyagency.com forward slash magento to Shopify. That's swankyagency.com forward slash magento to Shopify. And now to introduce today's special guest, Tom Chatfield is the head of sales and marketing at Quix. Quix is a family farm and cheesemaker established in 1540, which definitely makes them the oldest business we've had on the show, well, so far at least. Now, Quix started selling online in the 1990s, which again, that's pretty early on for for most of us. And they now sell around £2 million worth of cheese per year across e-commerce, retail and wholesale. Hello, Tom. Hi, Clay. How are you?
1: Doing well, yeah.
0: How first off, how do you cope in a world full of cheese? I mean, I would be eating cheese the whole time. It's one of my. It's def, it's one of the things I have to try not to have in the house.
1: Yeah, it's definitely an occupational hazard. Um, but yeah, a, a good bit of exercise comes in handy to put the calories to use.
0: <laughs> Taking the cows out, and bringing them back in again, maybe. Uh,
1: yeah, that was something a little <laughs> less muddy, but
0: <laughs> well, indeed, indeed, there's nothing unmuddy about cows. No. Um, and I should just to qualify that I speak as the daughter of a dairy farmer. Oh, really get, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yes. I've spent many many hours following cows.
1: Yeah, my dad's a sheep farmer, so I try and hence a career in the office.
0: Ah, uh, yes, I think I think there is a whole generation of us who've gone. Really, we're supposed to do that for a living. Absolutely, um, yeah.
1: I'll stay <laughs> warm. i your though. desk. Yep. Yes,
0: a desk and some warmth. Right. Anyway, we should probably talk about e-commerce, uh, not just about our childhoods. So, um, so Tom, how did you get started in e-commerce? How did you go from sheep farming to e-commerce?
1: Um, well, I joined Quicks in 2012 and we've always been what you'd call a multi-channel business, I suppose. Um, someone was far-sighted enough to have built into our website at the time, which our farm manager described as a good 90s farm website, um, an e platform of sorts. So, there were five or six products and you could purchase those through PayPal. Um, so, yeah, we were doing sort of less than 10% what we do nowadays, but there was already a customer base and a market there. So it was then in 2015 when we rebuilt our website with Shopify um or prior to that Magento and Drupal like a combo. Uh and that's when e-commerce really started to to develop. Um so yeah, and then we've kind of realized as time has gone on that that might be quite a sensible channel for us to invest further into and yeah, we've seen the sales grow significantly albeit from quite a humble beginning.
0: Yeah, I like, I like the way you said um, we kind of had accidentally almost had e-commerce on the original website and some people chose to order, which I always think if you're if you're busy doing something else, if you've at least given people the ability to, then you can start to learn, do they actually want to buy our product? Because that's kind of one of the, the best case, case studies to do is well, if we put it out there, do they actually buy it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that was quite strong evidence given how difficult it was to use the site at the time. So yeah, people really, really wanted, or at least some people really, really wanted to buy our cheese. So in spite of that, they they made it through.
0: Yes. If they're, if they're in spite of our terrible website, they're still buying from us, then you kind of know you're onto something, don't Agreed. you? Agreed.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: And so then you went, so the kind of like the, the first proper in inverted commas e-commerce site was the Drupal Magento kind of mashup, um, which I'm guessing you were on for only a handful of years before you went over to Shopify.
1: Yeah, it was about two years. Uh, and then we had a lady join as marketing manager who'd come from a, an e-commerce business, um, an online butcher. And so she had probably, before she joined, figured out that Shopify was kind of the right tool for us. So friendly enough that, yeah, it didn't have lots of bells and whistles that we weren't going to use, but equally had the longevity, you know, that we're still very happy with it a couple of years on.
0: And you're still with Shopify now? Yeah. It's one of the, you were quite early in some ways, 2015, getting onto the platform. And it's, I I find it's one which is a bit of a game changer for people when they make that move.
1: Yeah, I I guess how it occurs to me is kind of like there was Bebo and MySpace and, you know, other platforms before Facebook and they really figured it out. And it kind of feels like Shopify has maybe done something comparable as far as making it accessible for everybody.
0: Well, if anyone listening uh, is keen to try out Shopify, then head to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash Shopify, where you will find a link to a good deal on giving it a test. Um, Well, Tom, we should probably talk, given we're talking about what the platform is and given you're on Shopify, I'm best betting there's a couple of maybe widgets or plugins that you guys use that you'd like to recommend?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, we're as I say, it's a very small part of our overall sales right now, so we definitely feel like the new kids as far as e-commerce. And as you'll probably appreciate, e-commerce isn't something that farmers sit around kind of thinking about how to spend their money on and invest <laughs> in naturally. Um, so, yeah, we're on a bit of a journey there. Um, so it's probably all the things that are, are quite kind of basic and fundamental for a lot of the people out there. Um, you know, Google Analytics and Hootsuite, and then we use uh, we have all the usual social medias, and um, Mailchimp is is how we do the uh, email comms.
0: Nice and. Um- you know, you said that the the kind of the team is kind of split between those different sales channels, the e-commerce side, the direct to consumer side and the wholesale, which I know kind of stretches around the world. How do you, how's the team broken down? How many people are actually on the e-commerce side versus versus the other areas?
1: Um, It's a a small portion of three people, really. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we have a marketing manager and an exec and they handle all of our Uh, marketing strategy across all the trade export everything Um, but we're as it were front loading the e-commerce and and really wrapping our minds around that because as I say we see it although it's small right now we see it as a a good strategic opportunity and conventional retail has certain challenges um, that e-commerce doesn't in particular there's a lot more margin and control in the realm of, of e-commerce so that's something that yeah we we just want to develop
0: yeah there's a lot of a lot of uh listeners out there who do the wholesale piece who sell to big retailers who are going yeah the margin and the control <laughs> it's the, it, those are the two kind of blinding lights aren't they which which, which attract a lot of
1: people right and for a cheesemaker our average age profile when our product is ready to sell is a about 15 months. So, volatility is very challenging as far as stock and cash flow and things like that. So, having the ability to, to some extent, switch on additional sales through channels like e-com is very useful when those unpredictable things do happen.
0: Well, yes, it's one of those things. It's hard enough if you're, you know, it's kind of the levels of hardness, I always think, are if you are buying in your products to sell then you can often quite quickly turn around volume if you've got a you know bring in some more volume if you've got a lot to serve something suddenly really starts shifting or a a um, wholesale customer really wants extra volume that's kind of the easiest bit then you get up to the point where you're manufacturing your own but you can get in as much as you want if you want to you know you you just add another shift on or something and then all of a sudden you've doubled production capacity and then you've got the we make it ourselves, but it has to sit there for 15 months, which is like so little ability to kind of flex to, you know, to, to meet demand if it suddenly changes. Because you've got a year and a bit of the product needing to just do what it does. You can't speed up. You can't do anything. You just have to hope your forecasts were pretty good,
1: basically. Yeah. Yeah. So e-commerce is a lot more reliable than the the crystal ball.
0: Well, yeah. And it, and like you said, it gives you that ability to suddenly shift things because phoning up Tesco and going, oh, would you like an extra X is quite hard, but sending out an email to your customers and doing a deal or a three for two or something direct to consumer really does enable you to, to shift the stock when you need to.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and also tell the story. Um, there's, as you've already alluded to some of the elements of of what we do, like the history, there's an awful lot to tell that, we want our customers to know about, and to some extent, the more pairs of hands we're going through to tell that story, the, the sort of harder it gets to give people what they want to know. Um, whereas, yeah, e-commerce and social media, all of those things, give us a real direct platform to to engage people with that.
0: That's something I wanted to talk to you about because. There is you've. I often say on the show that um, that I die a little every time I see a terrible e-commerce about us page that only has the address of the warehouse on it. Um, Your website certainly is not guilty of that because you've got you've got videos, you've got the history, you've got um, who's actually in the business, you've got I don't know maybe twelve or thirteen pages dedicated in depth to who we are and what we do and why we do it, which. It's quite groundbreaking in e-commerce, to be honest. So what what led you to decide to invest that heavily in the content and the story side?
1: Well, we built the site as a, a brand website. It wasn't particularly the intention to grow e-com at the time that we built it. Um, I think the marketing manager at the time. Probably had a sense that we would figure out the potential for that later down the line, even if we didn't realize quite what we were buying there and then.
0: Cunning <laughs> <Kind of laughs> so, <yeah>. marketing manager, <laughs> perhaps.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, it, you know, it works great as a brand window, and that's really what we built the site for. And we're now starting to realize that there's quite a lot more we can be doing as far as e-commerce, and potentially, I guess. I'm, I mean, I'm glad that you feel that it's groundbreaking, and and some of the challenges within that are that it's perhaps not as friendly in in terms of actually getting to basket and things as it could be.
0: I think that's a especially when you're trying to sell a, a more premium product, which your cheese and your butters are a more premium product than you know Tesco own or Sainsbury's Value or I don't know Walmart Value, if such a thing exists in the states, which I'm sure it does. Um, there there are much higher higher luxury purchase and i think you have to kind of have that about about us and that extra content to really sell why you want this because they can't taste it can they
1: they can't no and and our funnily enough our best selling product is uh 36 pounds per unit so it really speaks to people's commitment to great cheese which we're obviously very pleased about
0: yes because they're not just coming on and going i'll have 100 grams of that please they're going for quite a lot more <laughs>
1: they really are yeah so it's, it's definitely the mega fans and at the moment that are making up the bulk of the purchase. And we see you know, customers spending a remarkable amount sort of month to month or quarter to quarter as far as buying our cheese.
0: Which is a nice thing to have happening.
1: Yeah, and I think the the trick to growing what we're doing is finding where the rest of those people are and how we reach them.
0: I will predict that, um, that content and story and PR are gonna have a big part to play in that, I would
1: say. I'm sure you're right. Um- and I suppose it's probably true that there are the people out there that might just want a, a couple of bits of 200 gram, and yeah, that's something for us to consider as well. Is how do we reach those guys?
0: Yes, because you've you've got some kind of more gifty packages as well, haven't you? Because I always think when it's if when it's someone who maybe only buys really nice cheese or really nice foodstuffs once a year, it's usually around Christmas or it's a gift for somebody. And I, I like the way you've kind of expanded the range to have the chutneys and the. Um, The biscuits in there to create those hampers and other pieces to to give it more of a gift pack
1: Mm, yeah so that accounts for about 30 to 40 percent of our sales in a given year now Um, we just have kind of three gift boxes but we've also found that it's a really good way to sell some of the experiences that we offer so we do cheese tours on the farm we have a set number sort of 120 places a year on that and we just last christmas added that experience onto the e platform and we ended up selling about a third of our um, or probably a quarter of our allocation through e-commerce so that's a lot kind of less expensive than say advertising those in magazines and things
0: well yeah that's pretty good isn't it like you know you've, you've got a quarter of the seats for i guess seats for the 2020 tours sold right by the end of end of the by the end of twenty nineteen and it just came in via the via the e-commerce site. So there's no dealing with phone calls or checks or you know bank transfer or anything like that. It's just, oh look, someone's booked. Marvellous.
1: (laughs) And no PR spend, no ads. So yeah, kind of no extra cost really in that respect.
0: There's clearly a lot of angles to the business. You've got the selling to the big retailers. You've got the wholesaling in the UK and overseas. You've got the e-commerce piece. I know you've got a shop at the actual farm. You're running events. How how do you and the rest of the team go about trying to work out what you should work on on any given day?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's a very good question. Um, we are luckily just at that sort of size where we have people dedicated to certain Roles, so um, yeah, we have a you know an export manager and somebody who looks after the wholesale channel like that, and then whatever's left, including working out what might be paying the bills in a couple of years' time, is that's I guess where I come in when I find those extra hours in the day, kind of thing.
0: It's it's quite nice when you actually appoint someone to be in charge of X because it's
1: like oh brilliant, it's a good feeling.
0: yeah, it's, it's like excellent. Someone someone now has the responsibility of caring about that. I can't can't ignore it completely. Right. But
1: Well, and they actually know what they're talking about, so that's
0: what <laughs> Yeah, that, that certainly helps. Um, but yeah, it is it is nice because you know that even if I do nothing on that today, someone else is.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the challenge with e commerce is is not yet big enough where we can say, right, we've got a single manager that knows all about that has done it for X years and, and can really run with it. But, you know, there are benefits to that as well, as far as a few of us trying to figure out the best way to go about it. And it's quite exciting in that, in that way.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of scope, isn't there, to be working in a company like that? Because, um, whilst, whilst you have been around for several hundred years, there, there seems to be a lot of agility in what you're up to and a lot of quick changes and quick developments.
1: Yeah. And partly that's via necessity because certainly uh, it's not easy, and and like the stock challenges that you mentioned before, to predict what's going to happen. So having lots of channels allows us to be fleet of foot and and try and adapt to some of those things.
0: Yeah, that flexibility is um, it's it's a bit like having um not having all your uh, eggs in one basket, isn't it? It's it's like we've got different levers we can pull if we need to make something happen.
1: Exactly that. Yeah.
0: And and Tom, we've talked about a lot of different elements of the business, but what do you think is the most awesome thing about Quicks right now? What gets you excited?
1: I mean, it's always the people, the people that we get to work with um, on a, yeah, a, a team level. Um, but I, as I was talking about before, it's the loyalty and the love from the customers that's so compelling, you know, seeing people sort of well up about their first experience tasting our cheese or going several miles out of their way to to find it because the usual shop didn't have it in stock. Um, yeah, that definitely makes it worth getting out of bed in the morning.
0: <laughs> yeah. Knowing you're creating a great product has to be at the heart of it, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. I, that All of that, I guess, as you say, it's the vindication of how good the product is.
0: And for, for those who are listening who who cuz i know we have quite a few listening who have kind of those more luxury artisanal products and they're looking to you know to expand it kind of from the kitchen table operation onwards. You got a couple of tips for them of things they should really make sure they're investing some time and effort in to help with that with that journey?
1: Um, for e-com specifically?
0: Uh just in general really. General how to get more
1: sales, i suppose. Well, if I were starting that kind of kitchen table business tomorrow, whatever it might be, it would definitely be starting with e-commerce um, because actually the visibility of your customer base. I mean, one of the things we found really compelling is if we, for example, do a survey monkey, we'll get, I think we had something like 60% response rate and we're talking a kind of 20 question survey. So really deep dive data as far as it goes for something that we're just sending out in an email um and inexpensive and yeah that visibility of who we're dealing with the great margins in e um and the ability to tell the story all of those things are quite a good backbone if you're trying to build up uh, a, a premium brand from scratch
0: yeah because that that customer feedback and that understanding i guess you, you've just got to get it in front of the customer haven't you and then then you can see where, where where that takes
1: you. Yeah, and the flip side of that I guess is getting out there and beating the street as we say which is yeah, getting cheese into people's mouths and seeing the whites of their eyes and that's really how again a very powerful way of I guess that's it will be those people that are spending a few hundred quid a year on their cheese with us that have had that experience somewhere along the way because it's difficult to imagine why else they'd be spending that money with us, you know.
0: Yes, it's um, it's kind of, it's that age-old thing, isn't it? Right, our best customers. How did they find us? Because normally, once they're a best customer, the problem is they're often kind of like, well, I've just always bought from you. Like that's lovely, but it's not helping me (laughs) at all to work out how to find more of you.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Endlessly challenging with with the best customers. Um, out of interest, what marketing methods are you are you using to get people to the to the site at the moment? Is it just kind of like the the impact of the general PR and brand awareness activity you're doing?
1: Um, yeah, organic is is definitely the biggest uh, revenue generator. Um, email is where we've really that's the, sort of the fastest growing and the most responsive. Um, so our open rates are good and our conversion rates are better and better. Um again, we're doing a lot of brand messaging within that. So when I think that it's possible that we could be more commercial rather than brand focused in how we do that, but it, it works very well. And we're also, because of that multi-channel aspect and us being out at food festivals and events and things around the country and indeed around the world, we're able to grow the email database quite significantly. So we, yeah, we've grown it from... Uh, four to just over 8,000 in the last 12 months or so and again when we know those emails are in it's going to generate business you know each month as as the emails go out so.
0: Very nice and do you find that, um, that trying to balance the marketing messages to to support your retailer customers so um, the outlets, the department stores, the supermarkets, as well as get people to your actual website to buy direct from you. Is it, is a balancing act or is it we just talk about the product and wherever they want to buy it's fine by us?
1: I keep thinking it's going to come up with a retailer that we're you know more active in, in developing that direct channel and it hasn't so far. So I guess that means we can push that balance a little bit further than we are right now. <laughs>
0: Yes, it's kind of one of those scenarios of uh don't ask for permission, just get on with it and see see who complains, isn't it? Because often they have they're not actually that worried about it because they know they're interested in what their customer wants to buy, not what your customer wants to buy.
1: That's right. And I think what we're offering in e-commerce is not the cheapest route either. So very often it will be the case that customers can find it for less money somewhere else. Um we're adding that richness of experience and that personal contact to assert that value, as it were, which is, you know, and then ultimately it's up to people which version of buying our cheese they would like.
0: E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector.
1: Here's a reminder of who they are.
0: How are the leading D2C brands growing their business? They're using Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform chosen by over 28,000 global innovative online brands. Klaviyo believes in supporting growth, which is why they won't tie you into lengthy contracts, hidden setup or support fees, or feature-based pricing. With a platform that is both powerful and easy to use, it's no surprise so many brands have switched to Klaviyo. Looking for one more compelling reason? Brands switching to Clavio see an average of 62 times ROI on their investment. Ready to learn more? Visit klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. With support for Magento One stores set to expire in June, are you looking for a new home for your e-commerce site? Well, start your digital transformation journey with leading Shopify Plus agency, Swanky. Boasting years of migration experience and with countless successful re-platforming projects under their belt, these e-commerce experts know everything there is to know about re-platforming, including all the secrets to a smooth and stress-free transition. Check out Swanky's free must have migration bundle, complete with downloadable ebook, on demand webinar, and real life success stories. Head to swankyagency.com forward slash magento to Shopify. That's swankyagency.com forward slash magento to Shopify. It's time for the top tips round. Right. I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. Tom, are you ready for the top tips? Let's go. Okay. The book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend?
1: I've always, I come back to Conscious Capitalism by John Mackey. Hopefully I've pronounced that right. Um, he was the co-founder of Whole Foods, which obviously controversially owned by Amazon nowadays. But um, yeah, his his argument that, you know, capitalism and business can be a real force for good, I find very motivating.
0: Nice recommendation. I think you're the first person to mention that book as well. So So that's always a bit of kudos. (laughs) Okay. The traffic top tip, which marketing method you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves?
1: Uh, It's got to be email for us. Um, And because of those sort of research kind of fringe benefits that I've mentioned as well as a multi-channel brand, that's quite a nice way of getting some kind of free research back in the mix.
0: Which it would be impossible to get from your retail customers.
1: Yeah, for less than a five-figure sum, which we definitely don't have You know, the money for.
0: <laughs> Not when you can send an email and use uh, a free app uh, in order to gather the results. Spot on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the tool top tip then. Maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plug-in, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day?
1: Uh, we love WhatsApp just because we're quite often travelling. A couple of my colleagues are based in London. It's a really neat way of just kind of showing one another what we've something that we've seen in, in the day or where our cheese has been sold or yeah, like that. So it just kind of keeps us all aligned and informed, and it's quite good fun too.
0: <laughs> my mind is now boggling as to what's flying around in your WhatsApp group, <laughs> yeah, <don't laughs> but ask. we don't need to share that here. <laughs> Okay. The growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? Mm,
1: I'm going to say maybe ask me in a couple of years. I feel like a bit of a charlotte in other ways.
0: Am I going to let you get away that easily? <laughs> I'm in a good mood today. So I think, I think I'll think i let you get away, but I may well come back and ask you. Sounds good. Um, Tom, thanks so much for coming on. It's been really interesting to speak to you as someone who's kind of... A, Long in the business journey, but short in the e-commerce journey. Um, so thank you. Um, before you go, though, could you let the uh, the readers who now desperately want to... The readers? The listeners, Chloe, the listeners um, who desperately want to eat some of your cheese uh, know where they can find you on the web and social media, please. Uh,
1: yeah, so our website is quicks.co.uk um, and that's quicks with an E, so Q-U-I-C-K-E-S. And social handles are at quickscheese, one word.
0: Excellent. Well, Tom, like I said, it's been been very cool chatting with you today. um, And I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you.
1: Likewise. Yeah, thank you.
0: Great to speak to a business there who, whilst still building the e-commerce side, because they've quite frankly been so busy building other elements of the business, um, it's still interesting to kind of hear a a little bit about how they're going about it, how they're seeing those those benefits from the e-commerce piece, which are helping them out with their other sales channels, you know, selling to the retailers, selling wholesale to other people around the world. Um, Some good tips in there as well around um, kind of the marketing side of things and that, how you prioritize, and then all the content side of it. Now, if you know that there's a great story to your business, or there's great things you want to tell people, but you just can't work out how to improve that About Us page, go and take a look at the Quicks website. It's Q-U-I-C-K-E. And yes, they have beautiful cheese on a beautiful farm and lots of history to talk about. But if you take a look through those pages, you can get some really quick ideas for how you could take some of that and build it into your business because your business has history. You have people, you have stories. If you struggle with all of that, then do have another listen to the episode I did with JJ Resnick of Moscow Copper Company a couple of weeks ago. I will put a link to it in the show notes. But in that one, he really goes in depth into how to go about identifying your story and using it to help grow your business. To get your hands on those show notes um, and all the notes from today's show, the top tips, links, details of related episodes, head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. And if you're enjoying the e-commerce masterplan podcast, please do share it with your e-commerce friends uh, via I don't know TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, over a coffee, over a pint, on LinkedIn. Um, wherever you want to share us, we really don't mind. We'd just love to get as many people as possible listening because the more people who listen, the more people I can help. I hope you have a great week. Keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the E-Commerce Master Plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.